This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous with the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney Schindler, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each week, we have one goal in mind, to provide advice, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. Today, I have a very special episode to share with you. Upon starting Masters in Travel late last year, it didn't take long for friends and colleagues to connect Rosalind Rance of Travel Agent Achievers and I, as it was clear from the beginning how similar our thoughts and ideas are regarding the travel industry. So we got together and we had a wonderful conversation about our backgrounds, how we each came to not only start our travel businesses, but also the inspiration that led each of us to starting advisor-focused podcasts. We also talk about building relationships, investing in our clients, and the importance of building a community as a travel advisor. Enjoy the show. Today in the show, we have Rosalind Rance of Travel Agent Achievers. Roz is a fantastic advisor located in Australia. Roz, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm so glad to be here and really excited that we can connect, especially on different parts of the globe. Like how lucky are we really that we can do this when normally we would expect to see each other face to face? I mean, I wouldn't mind hopping down to Australia if that meant we could see each other face to face, but yes. So talk to me a little bit about your background in the travel industry. And I also want to know a little bit about how you came to develop a podcast for travel advisors to grow a community. I feel like you and I have very different backgrounds, but somehow we have met in the middle and now we are virtually meeting for the first time. So talk to me a little bit about your journey. Sure. So my background really from when I was young and I'm going back to high school, I worked at McDonald's and I loved it. I was the party hostess. I was the crew trainer. I loved everything about it, but I also loved organizing all of our annual ski trips for all the staff and really, you know, the opportunity to work with people. I progressed from there into the hotel world, uh, working in five-star hotels in Sydney. And and then also into recruitment, like sales stuff. And that was hardcore. I had never experienced anything so, for me, really face-to-face, you've got to ask for the sale right now. Mm-hmm. I've always considered myself a relationship salesperson. Um, I prefer to build a relationship and understand somebody before I actually go in to make a sale. So this sales role for you, was it in the travel industry or was it in a completely different no. industry? Well, it was recruitment. So I was recruiting for any role, really, mostly office positions. And I got fired after three months because I couldn't meet my sales targets. Like looking at it now, I just think, oh my gosh. But the problem was I couldn't ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so I then shifted and worked in international education for 12, 13 years, I think. Uh, and my role within international education was sales and marketing. So I started promoting Australia as a destination for international students to come to Australia and study, uh, which was a for me, 
I loved it because I got to explore the world. And what was really cool and some of the funny stories that I've got is when I was in Norway, for instance, it was minus 30 degrees. It's in March. I was promoting at the time a hotel, hospitality and tourism school. And I would stand there in front of a crowd of several hundred people, mostly university students and their parents, and say, you know, here's the universities and colleges. I worked on a beach. Like it was paradise. It was Sydney, Australia. It was iconic. And I'd just say, well, come in, you know, come and sign up, really. And we had a um, a Tourism Australia campaign going at that time with Lara Bingle. Her husband's a, a famous movie star in the US. And she would say, well, where the bloody hell are you? That was her slogan, like, where the bloody hell are you? To come to Australia, because it's something that we say, and it might sound really weird, but it, it's just something that we say it's a jargon thing it's quite funny and I would stand there on stage and have permission to do that and say that in front of a crowd of people but I was promoting something that was really easy it was Australia it was something that I loved it was my home country and people would just sign up so I progressed through my roles within international education I loved sales and marketing I loved travel I loved training people and I had big sales teams traveled all over the world and I was director of sales and marketing for Australia and New Zealand for a number of private colleges before I asked myself, what is what is this? Like, is this all life is? Am I working 18 hours a day in a beautiful big corporate job? And don't get me wrong, I loved it, but I was never home. And I had so many people ask me, about travel. They're like, oh, Roz, I'm going to Brazil and I'm, I want to go to Rio and where should I stay and what should I do? And oh, I'm going to China and I need to go and buy these things. What should I do? Like, where should I go? Where should I stay? And so for me, I went, wow, I could become a travel advisor. And I, I went in one day to my boss and resigned. And a lot of my friends, family included, went, you're an idiot. Like, Ros, you are absolutely crazy. Why are you doing this? And I said, because I want to come home. I'm sick of missing so much stuff and life and weddings and births and all the rest of it. I just wanted to come home. So I jumped into travel. And I think the reason why everyone thought that I was a bit crazy at the time was purely because the travel industry wasn't known as a profession that you could make a lot of money. And I'd come from a very high-powered corporate career where I loved what I did and they just couldn't understand the connect. So I started with nothing. I started as a travel advisor, as a mobile consultant. So that's even harder. I wasn't going into a storefront or a shop front or having anybody right next to me telling me how to use Galileo or Amadeus or Sabre and you know all the technical stuff I was doing my head in. But I knew that I could provide value and offer a service to people who wanted to travel. And so that's where I really got started as a travel advisor and did that for many, many years. And I still continue to do it. I have a very large business now. I've got a small team that work for me. Uh, I still work uh, for iTravel, which is like our consortia here in Australia. They have a mobile arm as well as franchises and shop fronts. And they really just said, look, you do what you you are. And I'm one of their top sellers. But at the same time, I knew for me that there was more. I come from an education background. Mm-hmm. Tourism, travel, hospitality have been my life. I love people, even though I have fired some clients 
you know, in 2020. That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I do generally, I love people and I love helping. So for me, it's now been over the last four or five years, an opportunity for me to give back to other travel professionals. And I think that's definitely where Travel Agent Achievers has now come from, showing other agents that they can build the travel business of their dreams. I have. I did it from nothing. I did it from scratch. But there are things that you need to understand and know, not just have a passion for travel. You need to Mm -hmm. understand the business side of things. And that's where with Travel Agent Achievers, I've really honed in on because I think that there's an opportunity for travel advisors to do better, dream bigger, build a bigger business and really have fun with it. This is this is life. We only get one. So let's yep. make the most of it and do what we absolutely love doing. There are so many parallels and overlaps of our story. I would love to know a little bit about you and your background, not only for your listeners, but also for mine. So I'm so interested to hear your background because as you were telling different parts of your story, I thought, oh my goodness, like that's straight out of my my book a little bit. My experience with travel didn't start until I studied abroad when I was 20 years old. Wow. And I'm sorry to say I went to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. They're our cousins. We love them, our key friends. I studied abroad in New Zealand and it was very much like the decision came down to Australia, New Zealand. I applied for my first passport to go on this trip. It was my first experience abroad. It was my first experience being in a room with people who were from all over the world, speaking different languages. I was the outlier in the room that I only spoke one language, you know, like it was, it was so eye opening for me. And it's really what set me on this path of discovering the world, discovering different cultures. I then started studying foreign languages very intensely because I discovered I have a really great passion for foreign languages. Fast forward 12 years, I speak French and Mandarin fluently. I knew that there was some Mandarin in there somewhere just from listening to your (laughs) podcast as well. Yes, I do speak Mandarin. Um, and that's that's another story. And I guess I'll get to it because that's a big part of all of this. And so it's funny that you worked in international education because I have often thought when I started my travel business, but also, you know, you have these like fleeting thoughts of like, if I wasn't a travel advisor, if I didn't have this business, like what would I do? I've had a different thoughts of being like a simultaneous translator. And I've had my mentor previously in China. He was like, no, 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 you're way too creative for that. Like if you're a translator, you're literally just translating other people's thoughts. And I was like, all right, fair enough. But really the sticking thought that has come to me is that I would like to work in the study abroad programs and universities. Well, hello. Because <laughs> studying, I know. I, that's why you're telling me what you did. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, amazing. So that is so impactful for me because that was my first experience traveling and it just, it changed my life. I mean, and, and I don't say that to be, you know, cheeky or to be cliche, but like, it 100% changed my life. I have a degree in exercise science and nutrition. I wanted to train professional athletes as my career. And I studied abroad in New Zealand my third year in university. And I came home and I told my advisor, like, look, I'll finish my thesis. I'll graduate with my degree, but I'm not going to move forward in this career path. Wow. 
Were you working on like ski injuries and those sorts of things in New Zealand? <laughs> Actually, I, I really wanted to work like in the Olympic training centers during the off season of sports. So I don't, I'm not a specialist in like swimming or basketball or football. I wanted to be in like the off season in the strength training and the conditioning part of the year. That was my big vision. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I yep. so must have. I must have missed you and obviously didn't do my job well enough. I worked for the University of Sydney in their <laughs> health sciences department. So uh, I'm you sorry, University me. of Sydney. Yes, <laughs> New Zealand, that's okay. <laughs> yes. So I came home, finished my degree, and thanks to all of the amazing international students that I met during that semester abroad, I promptly graduated and moved to France, lived with the family, started studying French, got a certificate to teach English as a second language because I had to make money somehow. Yes. Had a passion for sharing knowledge, did not have a passion for teaching English per se. For me, that was just a job. Yeah. I saw it as a means to an end. I wanted to travel and I knew that I needed to make money somehow. So I was like, okay, let me teach English. That'll let me get to different countries while making money and having a job and also letting me travel. So that took me to China. And it really only took a few more years where I was just like, I got to find something else. Like, I just have no passion for this teaching thing. And my mom was a teacher growing up. Like, I have a deep, deep respect for teaching. My goodness. Oh my gosh. No, my dad was a teacher. Yeah. I have a deep respect for teachers. And then when you try something and you see like how much work something really is, I have even more respect for them. It just wasn't for me. I just didn't have enough passion for it. And a close friend of mine who was also an expat living in China, he said, you know, you remind me so much of one of my friends back home in Egypt. And she works at the Four Seasons Hotel. She speaks multiple languages and she gets to meet all of these travelers all day, every day. And she's just, he's like, why don't you work in a hotel? I had never considered hospitality. It had never even crossed my mind. And so I wanted to stay in China. I was enjoying my experience there. So I applied and started working uh, for Starwood in a five-star hotel in Shanghai. Oh my gosh. Okay. We probably even know some of the same people because we have definitely lived some lives. (laughs) I guarantee we do. One of the closest director of sales and marketing that I worked with in Shanghai is from Sydney and no, he's from Perth, but he's based in Sydney. No way. I'm sure we, I'm sure we we know some of the same people. All right. (laughs) 100% we do. So I did not study hospitality. So you were recruiting from a hospitality school. Yeah. I didn't know anything about hospitality school. Like everyone that I was working with in this five-star hotel went to Swiss and French hospitality school. school. Yes, like where, you know, they're learning how to like set up the cutlery and they know the chefs behind the scene. I mean, it's just like I was in awe of the training that these people had received. And so to get my foot in the door, I had to use my language skills. Yeah, right. Because they weren't impressed with my lack of a resume. And so what I was able to say is, hey, I'm a foreigner. I speak English fluently. I speak French fluently. This happened to be a French hotel. And I speak Mandarin fluently. So I interviewed with the GM in English. I interviewed with the HR person in Mandarin and I interviewed with the food and beverage director in French. Wow. And 
One of those people said, no, we don't need her. And two of them said, yes. And I got the job. Wow. I mean, I like squeaked in. (laughs) But that's incredible in itself. And the fact that you speak those three languages, I'm personally in awe because that was one thing that I wanted to do growing up was to go and live and study abroad in France as well. And I've got a lot of friends that are English language teachers that have taught all over the world. This is incredible. I mean, I worked in the front office. So were you in food and beverage? So I started in food and beverage. Yes, you worked in front office. This is great. So I started in food and beverage because the only sort of work experience that I had that was even remotely related to hospitality was in restaurants. I did have a lot of experience working in restaurants that span the full spectrum from like little mom and pop ice cream shops all the way up to like fine dining, nice restaurants. So I did have a lot of experience there. So I was a management trainee and I was the basically the assistant manager to the fine dining French restaurant in the hotel. And so that's really kind of what got me into things. But that's only a one-year program. So once that ended, my mentor and boss was like, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be in charge of operational excellence. And this is a position that not all hotels have. It's a position that a lot of people don't even know exists. And the only reason that it was an opportunity in my hotel is because we had almost 800 rooms in this hotel in the middle of one of the biggest cities in the world. Like we were a machine. So you need optimization and efficiency and someone who's in charge of that role. And so I kind of put my hand up and said, will you let me do this? And they they took a chance on me and let me do it. And that's where I really started to love my position at the hotel because I am all about the numbers and the data and analyzing and gathering the guest feedback and figuring out ways that we can improve. And so I was working so very closely with the front office team. Love that. So closely because it's all about the experience, right? But then I was also behind the scenes working very closely with the housekeeping team and the engineering team and and the F&B team trying to find ways that we can optimize and make things go smooth, more smoothly behind the scenes. You know, guests aren't even seeing it, but it still affects them. So that, that was my role. And kind of like you, I saw the path ahead of me and just started asking myself after a few years, like, is is this it? Like, is this what I want? If I wanted to, I was on a path to become a hotel manager or a general manager someday. And I, in that position, I was reporting to the hotel manager and the general manager and going home every night thinking, I don't want their jobs. That's not for (laughs) me. Like it's for a lot of people. And there are a lot of people who are very, very good at it. But I could see pretty clearly like that's not my pie in the sky goal. That's not what I'm going for. And so if I'm not going for that, does it make sense that I continue to work in a brick and mortar hotel? Like, does this path even make sense at all? And so that's when I started doing some research. And it was honestly some accidental serendipitous Google searches that even tuned me into the possibility of being a travel advisor. I did not know being a travel advisor was a thing. Wow. I had no idea. And I I wish that I remember exactly how I started figuring it out. But I remember that my first business plan when I started figuring out what I wanted to do looked a whole lot more like a business plan for an onsite or a destination specialist because I didn't know I didn't know what else I could do. I just thought, well, I guess I have to become a specialist in like a destination so that people trust me to give them advice and to plan their trip. And so I was super narrowed into one destination. And it was then I started doing more research that I started coming across other things. And I stumbled upon host agencies and consortia. And then I was like, oh, and then it's like, once I found the host agency, it's like it it all cracked open. And I was like, okay. And that's when I realized that it, it was a travel advisor is what I really wanted to do. So 
here I am. That's right. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. There is so much synergy there between you and I. But I think what I'm hearing and I know that I can also relate to is it comes down to a, a passion for people and customers. Like your role in China was really to enhance the experience and to ensure yes. that you were optimizing the efficiencies of the hotel. And I love that. That all translates directly mm-hmm. into what we do now as travel advisors because we can get sucked into our own little hole right and Mm -hmm. when a client comes to us we can go big but we don't necessarily have to we have to also ensure that in our own business we need to have those systems and processes and things in place that can really align you know, the clients with their dream trip, but also the customer love and the passion for ensuring that they have an experience that they'll continue to come back to you for. Exactly. And I think that, you know, Masters in Travel was born out of, similar to you, like I knew nothing coming into this and somehow I made it work. Yeah. But I felt like I was trudging through mud for about five years. Yeah. You know, just like trying to figure everything out myself, every step of the way, not even having any idea of the resources that were available to me, not even necessarily knowing that I should be looking for a particular resource. And then more often than not figuring something out for myself and only then discovering, oh, there's actually a tool that's built for travel advisors just for this, you know? And so I started to ask, once things started like running more smoothly, I just kept thinking, why are we all reinventing? the wheel in our home offices by ourselves. Like this is not good for the industry. This isn't good for our individual businesses. People are struggling to even understand that working with a travel advisor is a valid, you know, consideration for your next vacation. We're not doing ourselves any favors by not standing up loud and proud and saying, you should be working with a travel advisor for every one of your vacations. And here are 10 in your local area. I have met and had advisors reach out to me who are located within a 30-minute driving distance from my home only since I started this podcast. We did not know each other existed before that. And that's such a shame, to be honest. Like, why why is it like that? Why aren't we like crossing paths more? So Masters in Travel was really born out of this hope (laughs) and this effort to say, okay, A, let's stop reinventing the wheel. Like, let's make this a little bit easier for everyone. Let's all share resources. Let's collaborate. Let's share ideas. Let's talk about what worked and what didn't work. You don't know this tool over here. You need to know about this tool. Here's this community. Here's that community. I don't care what your consortia is or who your host agency is or what you want to specialize in, but here are things that I want you to at least know about so that you don't get five years into your business and be like, what? Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's There's a what that I should have known about because that's where I found myself every other day. And secondly, even though I didn't love and have a passion for teaching English, I do still have a passion just for mentorship and education and training. And that kind of falls all in line with not wanting to reinvent the wheel. But my experience in Shanghai in the hotel was as positive as it was because I had a mentor. Yeah. Because I had a mentor who was constantly pushing me, asking me good questions, making me think about things from a different perspective, giving me projects and giving me goals that I probably wouldn't have set for myself. And there's so much power in having a mentor. And so that's kind of my vision for Masters in Travel is let's gather together the resources so that you don't find out something years later when you should have known it. But also 
let's build some mentorship and have some conversations that can make you think about things in a little bit of a different way and push you and help you grow more than you would if you were just trying to do everything by yourself. Oh, I hear you. You are speaking my language. This is exactly, (laughs) you know, the reason, the reason why, you know, we've got travel agent achievers here as well, because that mentorship has been lacking, but in a forum like we've got with the podcast that we can just generously give. And and that was really highlighted to me when COVID hit. So in March 2020, I had had our podcast for almost 12 months by then, but I knew that when COVID hit, being part of Facebook groups and communities of travel agents, it had always been, and maybe different in the US, but here in Australia, very competitive. So the travel advisors and the travel professionals didn't do a whole lot of business collaboration together. They didn't teach each other things. They didn't want to give away their secrets, right? So for me, I went, why? Like clients are going mm-hmm. to come to you because of you. Clients are going to you. come to me because of me. Like then they're not necessarily yes. going to shop around because I work from home. I work from home. You work from home. We mix in different circles. We serve different audiences. Like why can't we share? Why can't we collaborate? Why can't we, you know, look at the resources that we each use and really work together? So for me, when COVID hit, I knew that I needed to step up because I already had a forum that could help travel professionals. And the forum there was to be able to, you know, encourage, give scripts, give details, give information to the travel professionals so that they could just pick something up and run with it. They didn't have to go floundering or finding. It was very step-by-step. For me, it was intentional to do that because I wanted to be helpful. And that's just who I've always come from. I've come from a place of service and of taking care of others. I'm a people pleaser. I want to help. And so for me, it was about giving the resources to the community to say, guys, here's something that can help you grow your business or look after your clients right now and protect your current client network. I haven't been in the industry long enough here in the US to say for certain, but That's kind of the vibe I was getting at the very beginning as well. I was sometimes feeling like I had all these questions and to me, they were just legitimate, honest questions of like, well, how, how do you do this in your business? Or how are you setting this up? Or how did, have you tried this before? But I was never in a situation in which I felt comfortable to ask those questions. I constantly was made to feel like it was inappropriate. And I was just like, but why? And so I just kind of kept being loud and sometimes obnoxious like I am, kept asking questions and people started answering. And then the longer I was in, I was, I kept just telling anybody like, do you want to, do you want to see my Trello over my shoulder? Like come over here, stand here. Oh, let me just send you this board. Oh, here's a little three page tutorial on how I do it. If you have questions, call me like, oh, you want to see my itineraries? Come over here. This is how, how do you do it? What do you do? And I I was always just amazed at how people would react to my willingness to do that. And I'm just thinking, why not? Agreed. 
Why not? We're not competing. That's right. Even if we live geographically in the same space, the same person isn't going to want to work with you and also want to work with me. Like you said, clients come to you for you. They don't come to us because of some silly little thank you card that we send or a little thing that we do when they arrive in a hotel. Like, no, they come to us for us. So enough of this conversation. I (laughs) I I have no time for it. No time for it. And I think what you touched on as well with the mentorship and education, that has certainly been my best background as well. My dad was a teacher, but I working within the education system and industry, it's always been a big part of my life. Like I was one of those people when you go to the airport and you buy a book, I was the one in the business section. I was buying the business books, the sales books, the marketing books. I was buying those so that I could read them on the plane. And then when I came home, when I started my own business, I was doing exactly the same thing. I was continuously learning. I was surrounding myself with people who had either gone before me or had grown bigger businesses. And I wanted to learn and really find out what the secret sauce was or or what they were doing to be so successful. And it was one thing that I did right from day dot. I invested in myself with business coaches, with mentors, and surrounding myself with a community of people who just got it. They understood Mm -hmm. what it was like to own your own business, all sorts of different industries, but understood what it was like because I couldn't go home and talk to my partner about it. They'd be like, oh, just do this. The job mentality is very different to a business owner mentality. And I knew that in order to succeed, I needed to surround myself with similar like-minded people. And so that's for me Mm -hmm. where travel agent achievers really came from because I wanted to serve and help those that I saw struggle. Those that had come from a shop front or had been in the industry for a long period of time working for somebody else in a job, but then wanted Mm -hmm. the lifestyle of working for themselves, having the flexibility to have kids or be there when the kids went to school and came home or take them to different things. They Mm -hmm. wanted that flexibility of a work from home environment in in the travel industry, using the knowledge that they already had. They could book the flights. They could book the hotels, all those sorts of things. But what they didn't understand was how to use Facebook. Oh my gosh, I need to have all of these different platforms. What do you mean I need to have a cash flow forecast? I mean, I need to have an accounting system. How do I do all of these business things? And so I knew that the things that I had learned, been educated in, I'd already started mentoring other travel agents to do their own thing. So I grew Travel Agent Achievers out of passion, very similar to you with starting yep. a podcast. Let's get the word out there and just mm-hmm. help people. Yeah. Yep. And I want to use this platform to ask the questions that I used to feel that I couldn't ask. Yeah. I've heard someone recently describe travel advisors as were professional researchers. And I feel like that is just so spot on because I have just become really good at researching. And a lot of my clients will say, man, Whitney, I don't know how you do what you do. I don't know how you find the things that you find. And it's just a matter of like networking, taking really good notes so that I can refer back to again and again when I'm being asked for similar destinations. But also like, I just know where to look and what to look for. I have become such a discerning researcher. And I, I certainly don't have all the answers and no one ever will. But if you know where to find the answers, 
you've got a leg up. Absolutely. And that's where our industry knowledge and learning from suppliers mm-hmm. comes in really handy. And throughout, yeah. I mean, the last 12 months, we've been in a fortunate position where we can actually extend the time to learn more and really understand our clients and suppliers and see what's going on and what we can do to serve our clients a whole lot better in the future. So yeah, investing in yourself, investing in your own education and mentorship. I mean, that's where I really see an opportunity for anybody getting into the industry, but also those that have been in the industry for a long time to really share and collaborate Mm -hmm. and help others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's bring the whole industry up together. Oh my goodness. Let's please. (laughs) Do you want to dive a little bit into customer love, building relationships with existing clients to help referral and repeat business? I actually had a similar conversation with a non-travel person about reinvesting into your current client base. So I would love to have this conversation from the travel advisor perspective. Customer love for me is really big in my business. I believe that yes, somebody will come to you for you as a person, but they will stay for the service and the information, the resources and the love that you give them over time. Yes, there are Mm -hmm. things that we can do that don't cost a whole lot of money, like sending a thank you card. But that in this Mm -hmm. day and age is so rare. Who does that? Like Mm -hmm. really, who? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I go to my post box here and I get some mail, it's generally a bill. It is very rare that I get a handwritten thank you card or note or gratitude from a client or anybody else just saying, I really appreciate you and everything that you did. So for me, Mm -hmm. when I look at extending the client value or the lifetime value of my clients and customer base, I want to make sure that they are taken care of right from the word go so that they are the ones that are referring our business and they are continuously Mm -hmm. coming back. They may be coming back to us for a $50,000 cruise. They know exactly what cruise it is and they send it to us and they say, I want this cabin, this cruise on these dates. It's around the world. Here you go. It's $250,000. Thank you very much. For me, wow. Like the opportunity that somebody has hand delivered that to me, I need to show some Mm -hmm. gratuity there and be grateful for that sale and be really thankful for it. But I also know that if I didn't get those clients off that cruise ship or continue to communicate with them, track them down, speak with their insurance company, you know, when it was on its side up in Norway, that those guys Mm -hmm. would be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like Roz is a a travel advisor, but there was nothing special that she did. So for me, it is all about the relationships. And just referring back to my sales job, cold calling Mm -hmm. and asking for the Mm -hmm. sale, I was terrible at it because I was so so nervous to actually say, um, and can I take that job and you have to pay me for it. Like if I find somebody, you've got to pay Mm -hmm. me for it. There are times now when I still struggle with a client coming to me and saying, I want to do this $60,000 holiday. I struggle with that, but that's my own personal money issues because Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford to spend $60,000 on a holiday. But I have Mm -hmm. to put myself past that because I've built the relationship with these clients who are friends, and I can categorically say that because I've Mm -hmm. done things to surprise and delight them along the way that others 
would never do. It is the small things. Talk to me a little bit about the execution of those small things, because I think there's, there's a lot of misconceptions. I feel like there's a lot of things that all travel advisors do. And I'm now wanting to stretch myself and see like, okay, but but what else? Like, but what more? Mm-hmm. Right. So thank you cards, I think are a perfect thing, especially when they get home from a trip or when they've sent you a referral, that's something that's very inexpensive. It could be something more like flowers or a box of chocolates. If it was a really big, you know, booking, I love the idea of going out of your way, especially when clients are coming to you for things that they really don't need to, yeah. especially like a cruise oh. when they're saying it's this line, it's this date, it's this cabin. And you're just like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I have to assume that clients that do that, that they understand how we make money yeah, and that they want to work with us. And they know that we're going to back them up for that cruise as well, even though they don't technically need the assistance to press the reserve button. I have to assume that clients understand that we're going to make a commission off of that. And that makes it even more apparent why we need to go out of our way to thank them and to show our gratitude and our appreciation because they didn't have to do that, right? They didn't have to come to us in those situations. I know you're really big on systems, right? So when you, you, yeah, Yeah. systems you love, right? So do I. And I think that that's really important in building any business. Um, The one thing that I think lacks a lot within travel advisors, and it's something that we talk within our community about is the customer journey and Mm -hmm. mapping out, like specifically mapping out when a client comes to you, what's your process? Like what happens? Do you just go, oh, okay, I need to do the research and get back to them, send them a quote. They then pay me and they're gone. Or are there Mm -hmm. more detailed things? And it's really looking at it from a big perspective. Like you look at Google Maps, right? You look at the whole world and then you zoom in and you look at the country and then you're zooming in and you've found Los Angeles and then you found Santa Barbara and all, all of these different areas that you want to look for right down to the street. That's where I see mapping out or starting with your customer journey. You can pick up along the way, all the little things that you can do to surprise and delight your clients right from the very first interaction. And I would challenge advisors new and experienced to not only think of like, what's our process? Because for me, this brings up thoughts of like, what's my task list? What are the steps that I go through for all of my clients, right? There are very important details in there, like that I'm making sure that I'm even sending a thank you note is on that process list, but also flip it around, put yourself in the shoes of your clients and think, what is that client experiencing while they're working with me? Where are are there areas of improvement? What could I do better? Could I surprise and delight in more ways? And Absolutely. that's, I think, where we'll find some, you know, it's not all about our task lists and, and our canned no, emails. And No, I mean, that, that, that's when you're zooming in. But we also need to understand, like, what's the experience for the clients on the other side? Correct. Because as you say, looking at those emails and templates and systems, how to book a flight, how to book a hotel, that's when you're zooming in on your Google map right down to the street level, right? That's your Mm -hmm. task list. That's your day-to-day activity. I'm talking about the higher level where you're looking at the interactions that you have an opportunity to show your customers love. And when we work through that with ours, we are starting with that very first So a client comes to you, what happens then? Okay, what next? What next? And we go through the customer journey on a higher level to then break it down into your task list. And there are so many areas along that. Like you just asked me, what are some of the things that you can do? Yeah, give me some examples. Yeah, so I don't think that, uh, as I said before, 
a thank you card right from the the word go goes astray. Um, we have birthday emails that go out, handwritten birthday cards. I get a report every month from one of my assistants that says these are all our client birthdays this month. I then handwrite those cards, get them ready and send them out to them. For those that are high spenders with us, we then have a budget that we can send them a small gift, but I don't think it has to be anything big. I just did for Christmas, uh, our those that are part of our Travel Agent Achievers community, I sent out a calendar with motivational quotes on it. Like it's not a $3,000 expense, but mm-hmm. it is something that is heartfelt. It comes from me, but it's also something that I know that they will also cherish and really appreciate. So mm-hmm. we do things that are specific to the clients and the customers mm-hmm. as well. Anything from our own merchandise. So when they're traveling, we give them a power bank that we've branded and had made ourselves because that's something that will come in handy. They're going to go on a flight. So we give them the eye masks and the earplugs. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that is corporate branded. We've bought it in bulk, you know, and we've yep. now got the opportunity to share those little things with our clients, right? From and um, so the birthdays, uh, welcome homes when they're at a hotel. Yes. Now you and I might think of it and say, "Oh yeah, everyone sends a, a welcome note to a hotel." You know what? They don't. And you might think of it and you go, "What do you mean they don't?" When I was working in the hotel, right. I saw hundreds <laughs> written a day. People don't. And that's one thing that your clients, when they get into a room, if you are handwriting them a, a note or you are sending an email to your reception desk prior to a client arriving, just saying, "Hey, I'm with you on your trip. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Please send me some photos." Mm-hmm. Then you know, and they print that out. So when a client checks in and they get an envelope, oh, this yep. is also a arrived for you. Do you know how special that coming from a client and a customer experience, how special you feel? And even more so seeing that the note that is obviously for you and that is not just like a blah, blah, blah kind of note. General manager. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it doesn't have to be a fruit basket. It doesn't have to be a bottle of wine. It doesn't have to be all of these big gestures. It can just be that personalized note. But we have our system set up with the full timeline. Okay, so we now know that it's a week out from a client traveling. Send the email to the hotel. Ask them to print it out Mm -hmm. 24 hours before that client's arrived. We make sure that the driver has been reconfirmed. We make sure that the hotel has got that email printed out, ready to go. We don't let anything go to chance. And that's Mm -hmm. where our clients and customers, they see these little things pop up on their trip. When I say, please send me some photos of you on your trip. I genuinely mean that because I know that I've worked really hard to prepare their experience. Mm -hmm. I do want to live it with them. Mm -hmm. We then take those photos as well. And we have, depending on the trip, and it doesn't have to be done for everyone, but we then collate these images that we can send them a postcard. And there are different Mm -hmm. tools that you can just upload your photo. We send them a postcard and say, remember this. They put it on their fridge. That's amazing. (laughs) That's That's amazing. Yeah, there's photo books. So I also handle a lot of international big groups and we have a photographer that comes out and takes photos of the groups. We then put together a photo book for those clients when they return that shows all their memories. We put together videos for them. We do these extra things and go the extra mile. And that's what they then say to their friends. That's what they then say to another corporate client. Oh, you know, you need to organize your mice event go to Roz. She did this for us and it blew us away. It Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to come down to the dollar spent or Mm -hmm. the 
hotel or, you know, the flight, the airline that they right. catch. Right. It's the experience. Right. So for me, customer love is a really big thing because I don't want to go back into a situation where I've got a cold call. Okay. So one of the most common questions I receive both from newer advisors, but also some from people outside the industry is how do you find your clients? And so many people are just shocked that I say they're all repeat and referral clients. Like yeah. I don't, they're like, well, do you do Facebook ads? I remember somebody asked me if I did Facebook ads and my face must've been like, <gasps> No, my goodness. No. <laughs> now, nothing against Facebook ads. I'm sure that some travel advisors have used Facebook ads to great success. But for me, in my business, I love so much creating such a close personal connection. And I love nothing more that when someone fills out my form and I see at the very bottom, how did you hear about Undiscovered Sunsets? And they're mentioning another client's name. Like this just like, this is what gets me out of bed in the morning. And so they were just shocked that this is how I find clients. So I have a question for you. Customer love and building relationships and referrals and repeat business is so, so very important. It takes time to build. You have to start somewhere. So if a new advisor or if someone just wanting to grow their business or maybe branch out into another area of business, if they want to start developing more of a particular niche or specialty, if you have a hundred dollars, how are you going to spend it between customer love and gifts and sending something special? And how much of it would you spend on an actual marketing tactic, like a Facebook ad, like a, you know, like paid social media, like a ad spot in a podcast, you know, like strictly marketing dollars. How would you spend that $100 if you were truly trying to gain more clientele in your early days or in a situation in which you're trying to branch out? Yeah. So right from the get-go, I would look at Who is it that you want to serve? So breaking down into your niche or your specialty, I don't think you have to spend a lot of money or even money at all to get into a group. Right now, the opportunity, yes, I'll I'll talk about this in two different things. So the, the repeats and the referrals and the customer love, I think is its own thing. When it looks at marketing and getting new business, then for me, what I encourage is you need to understand implicitly who your ideal client is. If you don't know who you are talking to, you are just going to send a message out to the masses that may or may not land and you may or may not get a client. Like there's there's nothing special about it. So if you have a passion for one thing in your life, if you love hiking, if you love skiing, if you love cruising, if you love a particular sport, within those things that you love, you can easily find new clients. Whether you're joining a group, Facebook group, you know, you are part of a network somewhere, you're a part of a, a business networking group, depending on who you serve, there is always an opportunity for free that you can get new clients. You just mm-hmm. need to ask. You mm-hmm. need to explain what you do mm-hmm. very clearly, very quickly, but also show the the empathy that You want to help somebody else with their travel experience. If that person, say, for instance, you love snowboarding and skiing and you are, you know, you're out with a group of friends for dinner, a bunch of your girlfriends, and somebody says, oh, I just went to Colorado and I skied in Beaver Creek and absolutely loved it. Now, if you yourself have a passion for skiing and snowboarding, you will immediately relate 
to that mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And you will be able to start a conversation with, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've also been to Beaver Creek and I was at Vale down the road. Did you catch that bus between the two that like at nine o'clock in the morning it has alcohol on it? Like you can start a conversation. <laughs> yeah. You can build the relationship with people. And for me, that's not asking for a sale, but that is building a relationship. And you are then able to take the conversation into, oh, I just organized for a group of clients or for a client to go to Japan. Do you know how badly they were telling me about the ski conditions there compared to Beaver Creek and Vale, right? Mm -hmm. So you can Mm -hmm. start the conversation and start building a relationship and you could leave it by, look, next time you're thinking of going on a ski trip, this is what I do. I Mm -hmm. love skiing and snowboarding myself. I've skied all over the world. I've been to Europe. New Zealand, Australia, Japan, the US, Canada. So if you are thinking of going on another holiday, I'd love to be able to help you. I love that. I love that. That is just one thing. And I don't think that that costs money. I believe generally no. No. Yeah, we don't have a lot of money to spend. As travel professionals, we don't earn $300,000 a year to go and spend on marketing activities, but I don't think we need to. It comes down to us being able to effectively build relationships and build rapport with people. Mm-hmm. If you can't build a relationship, you can't connect with another human, then unfortunately in this industry, that's what we do. Yeah. We deal with people day yeah. in, day out. <laughs> it may not be right. <laughs> so the $100, I don't think that you need to be spending money on marketing activities, especially when you're getting started. Um, When it comes to Facebook ads, if you are targeting a specific area, a specific group of people, and you can understand or you want to learn how to target those people to Mm -hmm. build a group or build build a network of people that are booking your niche and your specialty, then sure, mm-hmm. go with that and and do it consistently in small amounts over time. I don't think you need yep. to be spending $100 a day in order to get Facebook clients. I think if you're, you're breaking it down to even 5 or $10 a day, but know who you are talking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the other side mm-hmm. with customer love, it comes down to the client spend. So I'm yep. not going to spend, you know, $200 or $100 on a beautiful big, hamper or something for a client that books a domestic flight with me. Yep, of course. So it it really comes down to who your clients are, what Mm -hmm. is going to be appropriate for them. I wouldn't send alcohol to a client that I know has an issue with alcoholism or Uh, that is doing dry (laughs) July or something like that. Like I'm I'm not going to be that insensitive, but that's the relationship that you then build with a client. You build that relationship to know them, understand them, and then know what is going to be appropriate for them. So when it comes to $100, it can be spent anywhere that you think, but I don't think we need to be spending big money on um, on marketing activities. I love all of this that you're like, I don't need $100. This is all about relationships because it really is. And I think that that's when you're just getting started as an entrepreneur, whether you are well-versed in the travel industry or you have no idea yeah. and you're learning, it's really hard to know how to get started, where to get started, what to focus on. And at the end of the day, our industry is a slow build. It's a slow build to build those relationships. It's a slow build to find those first clients, for them to go on their first vacation, for them to return from that first vacation and refer you some new business, and for them to then have enough time between vacation number one and vacation number two to come back to you 
I remember that when I was getting started, some more experienced advisors described it as the snowball effect of like, you're at the top of the hill with just some pieces of snow and it just starts rolling down the hill. And before you know it, you have this big snowball that is accumulated with all of these relationships and these clients. And they were so right. That is exactly what happened to my business from the first to the second, to the third, to the fourth, to the fifth year. And money isn't a big factor in any of this. It's relationships. Find your people, know who you're looking for, find your people, be a human, build relationships. And that's in the form of finding new clients, but also in showing your current clients how much you truly love and appreciate them. And if I had $100, I would probably try to spend at least 80 or 90 of it on my current clients, showing them how much I love them while continuing to build the free relationships with the people who I hope to become clients one day. Yeah, that would be my ideal scenario as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. You might spend that ten dollars to go and get a coffee, right? There you go. <laughs> Continue building a relationship with that new contact. Exactly. You never. I'm on my yeah, way. Just right. grabbing a coffee. <laughs> just grabbing a coffee. <laughs> you, and you never know where new clients are going to come from. And that's the same thing with getting repeat or a referral clients. You never know where they're going to come from. So if you don't take care of the clients you already have, you're not going to build those relationships with brand new people. They're not going to come into your orbit. And that's what our business is down to, the relationships and getting that repeat and referral client. Exactly. So I'm sure that plugging into communities that get you and that really understand you, this all ties hand in hand as well. Yeah, I think the communities that get you, when it comes to being a business owner, like I said earlier, that not everybody understands what it's like to own a business. There's the job mentality, I am an employee. And then there is the, I'm a business owner. Surrounding yourself with people like with Masters in Travel, like with Travel Agent Achievers, the community that can be there to support and encourage and hold you accountable and really get you to continue your journey or to help you find areas that you go, hang on, I didn't understand this or, you know, Mm -hmm. challenge you at different times. I think that that's where the communities become really important because you can't necessarily go home to your husband or your partner and they understand the issues that you've had that day. Or even just talking to your friends, right? It's the same. No, that's right. Or family. Or family. It's very different. And, Mm -hmm. And when you're first starting out as a consultant, you might book the travels for your family. That's often where a lot of people start, family and friends. I know now in my business, I rarely book for my family. Because we are in different alignments, but they will refer me all day long. But we have different expectations, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, mom, just tell me you want to go to London and I'll book you the flight, right? Yeah. For looking at your communities and surrounding yourself with people who get you, understand you, I think is really important in today's you know, age. We need to make sure that we lift the industry together and we are there to support one another. Surround yourself. If it's not in a community like what we've put together, you know, go out and join a business group, join a networking group, join something where people lift you up and Mm -hmm. you can vent and it's okay. You can leave it on the table. And one thing that I found during COVID, I mean, here in Australia, and I saw it as well in the US in a number of Facebook groups, was the spiral 
that people got on. And that's not what I encourage. I think that if we're having a really crappy day or something happens, yes, it's okay to go blah, but we can't feed off that from each other as well. We need somebody to go, yep, cool, understand. How are you going to action that? Right, let's move on. If we're Mm -hmm. a part of a community that then feeds off that negativity and says, oh, mine happened too and this happened to me and, oh, yeah, I can't believe this and I had to fire this client or I'm not working with them again, then the whole thing gets sucked into a vortex that becomes really negative and that doesn't help anyone. So, Make sure that the community that you are a part of is one that will lift you up, but will Mm -hmm. also be there to support you. It reminds me of just before Christmas, one of our accountability calls within Travel Agent Achievers, it was just before Christmas. We just had new cases here in Australia. There were tears. There were some family things that happened. We all ended up in tears on that call. But at the end of the call, we said, okay, we've let it out. Is everybody all right now? You know, are we okay to know what the next step is, whether it's mm-hmm. in our personal life or in our professional life? Are we all okay? And that mm-hmm. group is really one of support, but also allowing the sadness, the anger, mm-hmm. the frustration to come through, go through those stages of grief together because that is important, but not get mm-hmm. sucked into the vortex of it continuously yeah. going down. That's not going to help anyone. I think there's a difference between finding a like-minded community, especially in your industry, because you can empathize and you can commiserate on like, yeah, that that was really rough. Yeah. Like that wasn't fun for anyone. And you can feel safe to be vulnerable. But like you said, that it doesn't become this negativity vortex. It's let, let's empathize, let's sympathize. And now like what's next? How are we yeah. going to move on? How are we going to push forward? And at the end of the day, we're, we're looking for a community that understands, but also lifts us right? Mm. Like you want a safe space where you can go in, you can share, you can vent, you can do what you need to do, but ultimately you come out of that community on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And I want that first. I want that for travel professionals, which I know you do too. I want to see the success. I want to celebrate all of the good things that happen. I really want to share in that positivity because Mm. I see myself as a positive person. I was hoping that, you know, COVID would finish in July and we could travel internationally again in October. Like for me, I was forever hopeful, forever positive, and I still am. There are going to be times though that you will catch me on a bad day and I'm Mm -hmm. down in the dumps and I'm like, uh, what are we going to do now? Yeah. I don't know how to plan now. Yet. I don't know. I, yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know what things are. And that's okay. It's okay mm-hmm. to be like that. But just remember that you will get through this. And I yeah. know that for those that are sticking with the industry right now, those that are going to be here are the ones that are working on their business and that are mm-hmm. able to then step through it so that you know, 2021, 2022, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. they are going to be the ones that really succeed. 100%. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. It's so good to be here. I've loved getting to know you and your journey and your story and also share some of mine as well. Thank you so much. And for everybody in the community, just hang in there. You will get through this. Until next time. Thank you for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you want more, head over to mastersintravelpod.com for show notes and links to the resources we discussed in today's episode. If you loved today's interview as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.